desire of getting to know Jesus is what they said about John and Peter in Acts chapter 4, 13. And it says, they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. That's us and women. And they were astonished because they took note that these people and Jesus. And that's the goal of Mark, is that we know Jesus. King Hugh says this, in our age of aggressive evil and apathetic faith, the gospel of Mark resounds with the dynamic power of the Lord Jesus Christ. In what is perhaps the most dramatic and action-packed of the synoptic gospel, Mark's writing continues to inspire increased commitment in the church at large. His portrayal of Christ as the servant Savior takes on fresh relevance. You and I live in a place that most of us would agree has aggressive evil in it. And yet at the same time, we also have to admit that in our churches, primarily our American churches, that there is also an apathetic and so Mark addresses the courage of both and to attack it head on with the person of Jesus. If you were here last week, you heard Steve teach on Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, and he talked about the calling of Levi from Jesus to Levi to follow him. And we looked at the different aspects of what it meant to be a tax collector and how tax collectors had basically, as Steve said last week, a separate category of sinners. But they were the outcasts. They took bribes and fees and uh, exhorted people. Nobody liked tax collectors. And there was a point that Steve made last week, kind of this undertone of the message that Jesus was accepting the unacceptable. And that he was calling Levi out, and he does the same thing. He says to Levi in verse 14 of chapter 2, follow me. And to the surprise of many around there, Levi left everything. Verse 15 says to follow Jesus. And of course, this response from Levi, this calling of Jesus, brought out among the people, particularly the Pharisees and the religious leaders, this question of what is going on here? There was a, a, a leper, now there's a paralytic, and now there's a tax collector. What is Jesus doing? And we see last week, or a couple weeks ago, that this was the second time of five arguments where Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees in Mark. Jesus is hanging out with common sinners. And the Pharisees are going, what are you doing? And he says in verse 17, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick and not going to call the righteous of sinners. Steve pointed out the story of the calling of Levi can be our story as well. Now this morning we continue in chapter 2 with another incredible story of Jesus and this confrontation of the Pharisees. And he talks about fasting, patches, and new wineskins. That's the title of the message this morning. So before we go any further this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity you give us to bow our heads before you. We thank you for your goodness to us, for your kindness, for your grace, for your continual gentle invitation to follow you. 
So what is fasting? There's lots of definitions, but I, I tried to boil it down to this simple definition. Fasting, the central idea of fasting is the voluntary denial of an otherwise normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity or attentiveness or awareness. So let me, let me read that again. The central idea in fasting is the voluntary denial of an otherwise normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity, attentiveness, or awareness. Such normal function could be food and eating. I talked to somebody after first service and say, I'm going to fast from God. I said, do you play from He said, no, but I, I'm just going to fast from the table. <laughs> that's, not, that's not normal function. But too often, too often, the focus of fasting becomes on the lack of food or whatever it is we're fasting from, rather than what we gain. Self-denial of food, self-mutilation. 
But then there's also this second thing of what I just mentioned is this constant marketing of food. And you grow up in this era of thinking three meals a day. You've got to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you just had a bad day. And so then we have perverted information, or we have invasive information in regards to food. But in Jesus' day, the Jews had an understanding that fasting was a regular occurrence in their lives. And we see in verse 18, John the Baptist and his disciples kind of partner up with the Pharisees, something that you rarely see. And they say, hey, Jesus, your disciples aren't fasting. What's the deal? Now, in Jewish culture, there was also one day of the year where everybody was called to fast into the day of atonement. Because fasting is often related to or connected with the idea of forgiveness and repentance. And so as the nation, the Jewish nation, would get to the day of atonement, they would all fast. You would see that there would be ashes and sackcloth, a sorrowful moment of their sin, and they would fast. Old Testament kings fasted. They called nations to fast. It was the response of repentance, the seeking of the forgiveness of the Lord. In Scripture, particularly the Old Testament, fasting and prayer had to do with the sense of need and dependence. So you would see kings before they went into battles call for fasting. The first chapter of Nehemiah describes Nehemiah. Praying and fasting because of this deep distress over the news of Jerusalem and the desolate. Nehemiah, Daniel. And here's the understanding about fasting. Fasting is not to get God's attention. It's to get ours. Fasting is not to be a burden or a duty, but rather a celebration of God's capability. It's an invitation in the kindness of God to learn from Him. Now the Pharisees were fasting. John the Baptist's disciples were fasting. And the Pharisees took it to a different level. They were fasting in all kinds of ways. And it became their religious show. And at first glance, you look at this passage with Jesus when they ask about fasting. It looks like Jesus is being passive and kind of uh, pushing away the idea of fasting. But that's not what He's doing. He says this. While the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot fast, can they? So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. Now, to clarify the understanding of what Jesus is talking about, you have to understand what the Jewish wedding looked like. In Jesus' day, in the Jewish culture, when the bride and groom got married, they came back to the house.
you may fast. Remember, fasting is this act of drawing near to Jesus. How much closer can you be to Jesus when he's standing in front of you? Jesus was with his disciples. And so he said, because of that, there's no need for my disciples to fast. So Jesus was not against fasting for what it was. He just said the disciples' time is not now. So now you may be asking, well, now that I know what fasting is, in the context of the wedding and the bridegroom, does it have to do anything with me? So the question comes, who is supposed to fast? If you and I were to peruse the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, you will find countless people who fasted. Moses, David, Elijah, Esther, and Daniel all fasted. The apostles, Anna, the prophetess, Paul, and even Jesus all fasted. If you look throughout church history, there have been many speak about fasting. Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, Jonathan Edwards, Charles Finney, John Wesley. In fact, John Wesley felt so strong about fasting that he would not ordain a man unless they promised to fast every Wednesday and Friday until 4 o'clock. Now, how many of our elders and deacons would commit to being an elder and deacon if they knew they had to fast Wednesdays and Fridays? Wesley believed that fasting was an absolute necessity to the Christian life. But here's the, here's the thing. If you search through Scripture, you will not find the command to fast. Some people think that it is a command that you must fast. But the, there's no command in there. In fact, it's a kind invitation of God to fast. One author said this, Although the language of Scripture makes strong assumptions that the believer in Jesus will pray and fast, fasting remains more of a strong invitation than a command. Remember in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the context of fasting is coupled with the teaching on giving and prayer. And he starts out, Matthew 6, 16, Jesus says sort of this assuming tone, when you fast. But even in the stronger argument in our passage this morning, in verse 20, but the days will come when the bride will take away, and then they will fast in that day. So many scholars believe, which I do too, that the day Jesus is referring to is the day Jesus' death and ascension, and until he comes back, that the believers are invited Strongly invited into this kindness of God and into this discipline of fasting. So the question comes I know what it is, I know who it's for. How do I do it? How do I fast? Like we mentioned before, remember the central idea in fasting is the voluntary denial of an otherwise normal function. For the sake of spiritual activity attentiveness or awareness. Now let me just have a side note here as a word of caution. I know that some people cannot fast to go without food because of medical reasons or medications. So consult your doctor before you decide to fast if you decide to fast. But I've been asked a number of times, how do I fast? When do I fast? How, do I, how long do I fast? When do I start? How, when do I end? 
it seems that there's no like right or wrong answer in that, but I would just say maybe ease into it. Maybe a meal or two. And then listen to the Lord. All fasting is Lord generated, not me generated. And let me just say this as a side. The longer you fast, or the more you fast, or the more frequently you fast, does not make you more or less spiritual than someone else. That's what the Pharisees did. So how do we fast? Listen to Matthew, the finish of Matthew 6, 16 through 18. From the New Living Translations. And when you fast, Jesus says, don't make it obvious. As the hypocrites do. Who are the hypocrites? Pharisees. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is only the, the only reward they will ever see. But when you fast, comb your hair. Wash your face. Then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, although scripture talks about fasting, particularly with food, I think there's other areas of fast that I just want to mention. The first one is a fast from people. People have a way of consuming us. I've heard this quote, I don't necessarily buy into it, but I understand it. The church would be great if it weren't for the people. <laughs> Remember how Jesus lived in the rhythm that he had? That there would be crowds just over top of him. And then what would he do? There was a rhythm of him pulling away, going to a secluded place, to a mountain, and pray. A fast from people can give us a clearer insight from God and with God, and in turn give us a clear insight on how we are to love and serve people. I found this. Until I can be alone with the Lord, it is harder for me to be genuinely present with other people. There's another fast. An area of fast is the fast for media. How many of you here have Facebook? You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, probably your friend. Um, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Pinterest. Am I missing any?
There's another fast. And it's a fast from the phone. Now, I got a picture for you. How many of you know what this is? The most important question we have to ask though is why do we fast? There's a lot of great benefits physically, right? There's a lot of great benefits physically, but fasting, when boiled down, is simply about one thing. Fasting is all about Jesus. Fasting is not about having God on a string. God, look at me, I fasted. Now you Yeah. 
when I study in my own personal life, here's some biblical reasons and motivations in fasting. We fast in order to humble ourselves before God, to draw close to God, James 4, to find and receive God's will and direction for our life, to seek healing. We fast for an unmet need, an unmet need. And we fast for the benefit of others. And all these reasons Being with Jesus, drawing near to Jesus. And that's what the Pharisees were missing. So Jesus goes into this next second conversation with them, and he talks about patches. Verse 21, he says, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, otherwise the patch pulls away from it. The new from the old, and a worse tear results. The thing that's fascinating about Jesus, he takes these really raw, profound, complex ideas, and he narrows them down. And the, the principle that Jesus is teaching here is of extreme importance. A new patch on an old garment. And how many of you, when you were growing up, playing outside, tear a hole in your jeans? And then you would have to go in and get your mom or grandma or somebody who knew how to sew, and they would put a patch over your jeans because it had a hole in it. And now you pay extra for those holes. <laughs> Jesus says, I 
that and then so do we. We try all the time to fit Jesus into our old way of thinking. We struggle with trying to serve the pleasures of sin while at the same time be a follower of Jesus. We're drawn to the desires of the flesh and seek to love Jesus at the same time. And Jesus is plainly saying, I am not attached to connecting to you. Galatians 5, 17 says this, for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Just in case you system of the flesh
experiences of surprise and newness are silenced in our lives. There is no amazement. And when there is no amazement, there cannot be the full coming to health, fullness, and maturity. The summary of what Jesus is talking about in these few verses is this. In regards to fasting, in regards to forgetting to try to pass Jesus into our own lives, but allowing him to grant in us a new perspective. Thank you. 
Jesus, 